crochet circle podcast i am waving hello everybody that's waving back <laughs> i know lots of you do hello um oh i hope you're all well i hope you've had a great month um yeah i unfortunately got uh covid <laughs> i dodged it for two two and a bit years and then um i came down with it just over two weeks ago and i was like it'll be all right and it wasn't all right it's been really quite um full on so <coughs> sorry if i keep on having to break off to like cough or take a sip apologies in advance um but my breathing still isn't right everything else is kind of back to normal the fatigue has waned quite a lot but um every now and then it still just hits my chest so apologies if there's a little bit of coughing through this but there is literally nothing i can do about it um so that also explains why I've been a little bit quiet on Instagram because I just couldn't even. <laughs> I was so tired, I just couldn't do it. So, right, I'm going to have to hurry up because I am absolutely sweltering. It's about 22 degrees outside and I am wearing a pure wool DK jumper to be able to show off to you. And um, to say I'm hot is an absolute understatement and the sun is about to come pouring down on me from the skylight. So... Let's get into um, the first thing I have for you, which is old dog new tricks. And this is a really quick one. It's one that I, I can't, I wish I could credit the person, but I wasn't clever enough to take down their Instagram handle. But it was one that I saw on Instagram. Um, and it was such a simple trick and it just worked. And it's all about when you're doing starting chains and you're going to be working in the round. You know, sometimes it can be a little bit tricksy to try and make sure that um, your starting chains aren't twisted when you're working in the round. Um, especially if you've got a massive long length that you need to work on. So like if you're starting off a jumper and you've got chains at the neck or down um, at the waist, then this is a great little trick. Basically, get your starting chains um, not on your hook and do like maybe five or six of your starting chains. Now, if you've got um, a straight hook, then you might also want like a little bit of yarn to add onto the bottom of your hook or you might want one of those little elastic bands. And basically what you do is get a number of chains, like I said, five or six on your hook, open the last chain up a little bit and take your hook out, place your hook through your first starting chain that you made, because it's really easy to see that it's not twisted at that point, and then put it back into the hoop of the last starting chain that you made, and basically you will have the first and the latest um, chains sat on your hook. And then you can just keep on making your chains so that you've got the right number. You keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. Like I could have done maybe 300 on this. And what I would know is that I have got no twist in all of those stitches. So when I've then got to the right number of stitches, I can simply pull my hook through the first starting chain made, and I know that I have no twist in my starting chain, 
and I've basically got all the stitches on it that I needed. This is a game changer. I can't tell you how many times I've like worked on a pattern that's got a number of starting chains and then I need to start working in the round and you get to like the last stitch or sometimes even into the second round and you find out that you've got a twisted set of um, starting chains to work in the round into and that is how you can stop that from happening. So if, unlike me, so I always use these um, straight shaft crochet hooks, they're, they're my favourites, it's just what I use. I know lots of people prefer the ergonomic ones, so for you that's great because your um, the ergonomic means that you've got something that will stop your um, first starting chain from slipping off your hook. If, like me, however, though you use the um, the straight shaft crochet hooks, then what I did find is that when I got onto a, like a much larger number of starting chains onto that hook, it was falling off the end. So that's why I'm suggesting you either tightly tie a little bit of yarn around that hook or you use, um, you know when you get like, if you buy herbs from the supermarket, quite often they've got a little blue elastic band around them which is teeny tiny like wrap that round two or three times and that will secure it down and it will stop that first chain from slipping off the hook game changer give it a try because it's one of those that i will now do every single time i've got a load of chains to do because no twisting like from there's no wasting of my time because i've twisted up and mucked it up basically it's a great little trip a uh, tip i think let's move on to finished objects and let me tell you all about my etl jumper which is by ns rogers and it is in issue two of murit and i absolutely love it um lots of people came back with different color name suggestions and ochre seemed to be one of the most popular ones. I also thought ochre was a little more yellowy and this is actually quite a green colour. So um, like I'm willing to accept ochre for now but I'm, in, I'm still looking for a different, <laughs> a different version of whatever this colour is. I'm going to find it because I have just um, found a book that I didn't even know existed which is um, basically the what do you call it it's 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 a book by um an author called werner and it's from you know a couple of centuries ago and it was the classification the nomenclature of colors that's what it was called and it's basically using nature zoology to um describe what different colors are um so it might be like the part of a bearded iris and it's it's gone into reprint, which is lovely, quite recently. Um, so it's got beautiful like, handscript written notes in fountain pens with little um, boxes of colour, given what the colour is, um, a little colour palette of it, and then seeing what it is in nature that you can fixate in your memory as going, oh, it's that colour, I know what it is. It's like the inner petal of whatever. I just, or like a part, this part of the mallard, or a J, or you know, something, and I just love, I was hoping it would have arrived today so I could have shown it to you, but it hasn't, I think it'll arrive tomorrow, but I'm so excited about this book because it pulls together my love of colour, describing colour, 
and and nature. So as soon as I get that book, I am going to <laughs> work out what uh, where and I thought this colour uh, was basically. It's also the book that um, Charles Darwin used when he was off on his travels on HMS Beagle and it was what he was using for his colour classifications which you know the grandfather of um, kind of the natural world and um, evolution I just love that link to him as well so I'll, um, I'll provide a link to that book in the ISBN number and stuff for you just if you're interested in colour like I am and the description of colour then um, you might be interested in getting yourself a copy of that book too. I did, I did just find an original copy of it. It was £800. I was like, no, I can't. I can't afford £800 on a beautiful leather-bound book. Like, it's gorgeous, but um, that's a hard no. Right. Oh, so you know what the colour of the wool is I've been using? The wool is an atom weight. It was 200 metres per 100 grams of um, woolly nets. They call the colour harvest, by the way. Um, and whilst the pattern calls for DK, I got gauge when I worked this up in the Aran and I have got maybe a 30 gram nugget left, maybe not even 20, maybe um, 20 grams left. So the whole jumper took about 480 grams of this wool and um, I could have added more into the neckline collar if I wanted to but I actually quite like the woods that I got. I did what I said I was going to do and I added some decreasing in so you might be able to see for those that are watching there's a little decrease wedge that's come in so that when it gets over my bust it's um, pulling in under my bust and I'll try and pop some photos in um, so that you can see how the fit is because those decreases then allowed it to come in and be more shaped to my um, my stomach and my waist area and I kept to three quarter length sleeves as well because I'm lacking uh, jumpers that will do me for like that in between the weather at the beginnings of spring and at the end of autumn where it's hot but not hot and it's not really cold but you need something that's quite open lacy that will keep you warm but cool enough so hence three quarters which isn't something I've got a lot of in my wardrobe and this is a really nice um, addition. I also did um, the same style of decreases down through the arms so that it could be quite fitted on the arms because that's it's just how I like my my garments. I have not blocked this or washed it basically I've just been wearing it because isn't that the sign of a good garment that you love when it doesn't even get to blocking and you just you just start wearing it um I have to say I'm really like I'm really pleased with it this is one of the best crocheted garments that I've made for a wee while and I think it's a combination of finding my rhythm with the garments that I want to wear and working out what body shape I like wearing um, the fact that it's not really tight on my underarms, but it's not really baggy either. Loving the three-quarter length. Um, I really like the the stitch that's on it and the definition that Inez has managed to get with the stitch repeat. It's really simple but effective. Um, Two-round two repeat. And I, to, I just I really like the colour. Like this 
harvest ochre colour um, that my wool is in is just so earthy and natural and it it really suits my um, my skin tone so I'm well chuffed with this with my finished object as with all garments I was like I'll be done in no time at all <laughs> I was not done in no time at all um, it took longer than I thought but I think my brain just thinks I can do things really quickly and I'm actually not a particularly fast crochet I think because I tension and hold the hook in my right hand so my rhythm is slightly different um, so I'm not super speedy at crocheting I do a lot of it um, which is maybe why I get through more but it's not because I'm super fast like some people are Can I just apologise because this might be picking up an audio it is so loud our kitten Catten is over on an armchair, over on the other side of the room, and he is snoring, like proper going for it snoring. He's a very sleepy little boy today. I've, I've nested him under an Icelandic blanket and he's very happy. And like, literally, that's all I can hear. So hopefully, I mean, if that's coming across an audio, lucky you, you get to hear my cat snoring. <coughs> He just did a really big grunty one. <laughs> so I have worked on a few other bits and pieces this month, um, mainly for designs I'm working on. And I think I spoke about this last time, but sometimes you want like a little palette cleanser that's a different type of craft. I didn't have loads of knitting on the go, so what I have been doing is making the things that were in the craft pod um, subscription boxes that have come through, and I've I've been enjoying the craft of hand sewing and embroidery and just doing something some really fine work that I think um, only takes a couple of hours to do each thing so one of the things that they had was a tiny little lamb that you sew up you cut out all the pieces and you hand sew it using blanket stitch and add in like the anatomical features of the eyes and the nose and the little ears and I've really enjoyed doing uh, that so I made there was a little lamb that I had and my absolute favorite is a badger again felted but totally hands-on and again you cut out all the pieces and you make it up in these little tiny little eyes and honestly I think it's one of the cutest things I have ever made. I absolutely adore him. So they were both from my craft pod and I got a little bargain bunch of them from Facebook Marketplace and when they arrived I dipped straight in and made a badger. Um, I'm not really going to do anything with them, they're up in my craft room and I think every time something else comes out from um, craft pod, I'll just make it and then I'll end up with like a little handmade wool felted menagerie up in my craft room. It's really cute. And then the latest one come in, came in. So if you're a craft pod subscriber and you don't have yours yet, spoiler alert, I'm about to show you something that is in the summer 2022 craft pod. You can look away and I'm going down. Um, the theme this year, this summer, was um, like lily pads and lily ponds. And so the little one that I made 
is based on a lily pad and it is a pin cushion and you embroider bulrushes on the side of it and it's got its little lily on the front and its little cut out wedge and this arrived last Friday and I just sat and I had a lovely Saturday morning last Saturday just sitting here with a coffee. Matthew was, um, he was away and I just sat and made my little pin cushion. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm enjoying the act of doing some different crafts and doing different things with my, with my fingers. And then I also made myself a little woolly sheep, which um, was using some of the materials left over from the craft pod, but the sheep is actually from a new Yumiko Higuchi book. She's my favourite embroidery artist. And um, I was using the Moyer woolen thread that I sell in the shop with some standard cotton. And that is going to be placed alongside another panel that I've done just with some little flowers on it. And they are going to be made up into a little notions pouch. So the flowers will be on one side and the sheep will be on the other. <clears throat> um, and the reason I'm doing that is because I'm starting to build up project bags for different types of projects and in each bag I want to have a little um, notions pouch with a pair of scissors, some hand balm in it, um, some a needle, some stitch markers because it just it just makes my um, like getting ready assembling stuff for a project much much faster because I can just pick up a bag and all of that stuff just stays in there permanently. It means that I've got lots of pairs of scissors in different places, but I have so many pairs of scissors anyway. That doesn't mean same with stitch markers, same with little tins and hand notions and all that stuff. So it allows me to just um, have project bags ready to go with all the essentials that I need. And then I just need to add in like a crochet hook to them and we're done. So there are some of the little kind of palette cleanser things that I have been working on, which I've loved. And last week I did a visible mending workshop um, with Flora Collingwood Norris. I loved it. It's very meditative doing visible mending. She sent through in the post like a little square of machine knitted um, material in lamb's wool and little mini skeins of lamb's wool that we were going to use for the repairs. And so the one that I loved the most was um, like a, a woven darn. We had to make a little hole in the back of it and then darn around that hole um, much larger than the hole itself so that you're really securing down the material. I love doing this one. Then we were, I was attempting another woven one which is a slightly different technique which honestly I was absolutely abysmal at and I don't know if it was like I just didn't enjoy it or it was the second one we did and I probably was just a bit tired by then. So I really enjoyed the big woven square patch because you can make it look like tartan, which I think is why I enjoyed it. And you've got less chance of that with the little rounded one, which is done from the back. I just, I didn't feel as good about that one. But it got me thinking because a, a lot of the visible mending stuff is about knitwear. And it got me thinking about visible mending on crochet and I did ask the question in the course um, but you know what it's like when somebody's teaching and they've got like their 
they're on track with what it is that they're doing. And I said crochet, but I think she heard knitting. Um, and I just don't think a lot of these techniques would particularly work for crochet in the same way because the stitches tend to be much more open. Um, they're quite often a larger scale than knitting. Certainly they're not as tiny as um, these stitches are on the lambswool material she sent through. And yeah, I'm interested. Does anybody know of any resources or has anybody been really successful with m visible mending on crochet? Um, I'd love to know what techniques you found to work the best because it's like it's a totally different landscape to be trying to mend and I know I've done bits and pieces in the past where I have where maybe a little bit has come undone um, and I covered this in a podcast like maybe three years ago and how you can fix that so I've done that but that's mending it in an invisible way using the same yarn. And what I'm interested in is how you can mend holes in crochet on a on a more visible basis, basically. So using some of the multicoloured um, yarns I've used in this. Yeah. Does anybody have any resources? I would love to know because I would like to know more about that and I'd love to know what you've done if you've done any. So they're all the things that I've been working on this month. Like I say I'm also on designs so maybe I should talk about them next. So first up that I can really show you is my positivity spiral um jumper which I I I can't tell you how much I'm loving this. In part, <laughs> let's be truthful. This is the third time I've got to this point with this jumper and I'm hoping you can maybe see it. Um, it uses feely crochet that go round in a swirl in the yoke of the jumper and the um, spacing in between the feely gets bigger ever so slightly and that's where the increases are for the yoke. And I really like how it's worked up. This is attempt number three because it's not that first time round um, I made a miscalculation on the number of rounds that I needed. I think I was deep into Covid when I did the first calculation and I got two numbers mixed up <laughs> and I had 10 rounds less than I needed in the amount of increases that I'd added in and it was so I had to pull it all back. That was the second time I had to pull it back basically. No, that was the first time. Then I pulled it back again. And now I'm on my kind of final iteration of it, I hope. But I won't know that um, until I have split for the sleeves, which I'm about to do, add in the underarm stitches and split so that it will then come a section for the body and two different sections for the sleeves. And then when I've done that, I can finalise how I am finishing off the the neck and I'm thinking about adding two different options for the neck, one with crocheted rib and one with a slightly kind of lighter effect for the people that don't like crocheted rib and you know me, I'm probably going to do it one way, photograph it that way and then rip all of that out and then do it the other way and photograph it that way as well. So you can see what the different options are. I'm also trying to work up this pattern so that it 
has notes on shape inclusivity. So if you need it to be longer, what does that mean in terms of um, extra yardage required? If you want larger biceps, how can you make that happen? And again, what does it mean in terms of extra yardage? So I'm trying to make this a very detailed pattern um, and it's going to take a while. I don't think this will be out until the end of the year, which seems like a really long haul, but it needs to be pattern tested. Um, I need to make sure it's right and I need to finish off the sample and it needs to go through tech editing. So all of that takes weeks and um, yeah, I reckon it will be end of the year before this is actually going live. But I'm really excited about it and I'm hoping that as my first like upper body garment um, pattern, it really does all the things that people would expect of me. So size and shape inclusive. Um, I've also worked it up in a sport weight yarn so that if you get difficult getting sport weight gauge, then it's not too big a jump to move up to DK or down to four ply. So that's why I've chosen um, this yarn as well for my first one. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Um, I'm, I'm excited to have edited this podcast and be able to crack on with the numbers and um, be able to get onto the body shaping and see how it's going to actually fit. Because at the moment, it just looks like a bit of a cone. Um, and it's going to continue to look like that until I've pulled in for the body and you can see how it's really going to fit and until I've added the neck because that then pulls it all in and changes the shaping again so it doesn't look like much now but it will do and I've even done, I've been a good little designer and I've done short row shaping in at the back so that it fits higher up on the back than it does at the front and your jumper doesn't end up choking you like I've really gone all out on this pattern to make it as good as it can be and oh, I just the way that pattern swirls around your body when you see it on and I won't show you yet because I want to show you when I've done the next stage but like I'm sounds really big headed I'm impressed with my design like I really like what I've created here um so I'm excited I'm genuinely like really excited about this design so more on that in the future at some point when I've got a finished, finished jumper to actually show off. I was off yesterday over at um, Trentham Gardens. I go and meet up with my friend Heather every two weeks. Hello Heather. Um, she is also a crochet designer. She has fingers in many, many pies. She does a lot of amigurumi and um, she's just doing a cal with the yarn whisperer and she's got another cal coming out. And she's a really good crochet designer and we meet up every two weeks and we sit and shoot the breeze and talk coffee and we work through designs while we meet up for a few hours every couple of weeks. And yesterday we met and I was working on my next design because I find it easier to... Um, whilst I'm in the middle of a design, inevitably there's another one kind of attacking my brain going, what about me, what about me, what about me? And have you thought about this element of me? So I find it easier to um, prepare my next design while I'm in the middle of my current one and then I don't have to keep on thinking about it because it's not niggling away at me. I can put it to the side, crack on with the current um, design and then my next one is kind of ready to go as well so I'm like, straight into it when one is done. 
And the one that I was working on yesterday is going to be mittens and a cowl and maybe a hat. I really like the texture that I'm getting with it. It's so different from anything that I've done in the past. And you know me, I like I like crochet that doesn't automatically scream crochet. That um, you, you really have to look at it to try and work out what the craft is. And that's what this pattern is. And um, I worked up the pattern yesterday. I'm not going to show it to you yet, but I wanted to show you the wool that I will be making it out of. So I've been working with um, Kate up at Northern Yarn. She sent me yarn through for these latest patterns. And they're both the mittens and the cowl and possibly the hat are going to be worked up in a DK and a heavy four ply, which is kind of heavy four ply sport weight. So um, they're going to be worked up in a Hermethra, which is um, 100 grams for 350 meters. And it is 65% Cheviot, 20% Blueface Leicester, 10% Shetland and 5% Sparkless. So it's a really lovely mix. It's soft, but it's got a bit of crunch to it as well, which is what I need. And the DK version that I'm working up is her Mamo yarn, and that is 110 metres per 50 gram ball, so 220 metres per 100 grams. And that one is 50% Paul Dorset and 50% BFL, so ever so slightly softer than the Methra, but um, again, it's got really good structure to it, which is exactly what I need for this design because the stitches are really prominent on it. So if you're ever working on something that has got a really prominent texture with raised stitches, then something with a little bit of crunch and like really decent structure, and when you put the stitches in place, they stay there. And like you can't beat proper really well for that. That is going to really show off the pattern that you have got basically it will allow the texture to really pop out of your um, of your fabric. I'm so excited to get these going. And there's a chance that I'm going to be seeing Kate very, very soon. So I need to work this up in the next couple of days. So I might be able to show you a little bit of it when I get off of pod holiday in September. Um, the Mamo I'm using is in like a very light silvery grey colour. And um, the Methra is in a lovely jade green. And I thought the two went very nicely together because I need to be able to photograph them side by side. So that's um, that's what I'm up to, basically. Love it. So excited to show you the next design as well because like, I feel like I'm hitting my stride with designing. Um, I think the garment designing has brought out a whole new way of me thinking about crochet and how I design stuff and um, like a new level of enthusiasm for it as well. So it's exciting. Moving on to feeding the habit. Um, I mean, I was at the mill open weekend, so wool purchasing was inevitable. Wool purchasing was Thanos, basically. Um, I got my hands on some Harvest Hues and it's one of their Mill Open Weekend specials and it's called Luna. This colour was devised by Donna, one of the lovely 
people at the mill, like, just a lovely person. Um, and I am a huge fan of Harvest Shoes, not least because like, it smells so unbelievably sheepy, like I, it's just, it's sheep in wool. I love it. And um, oh, so I, some had to come home with me. This was a late Sunday afternoon purchase and stared at it all weekend and then eventually was like, you just need to come home with me. And it's going to become a cardigan. Um, knitted cardigan designed by Carrie Helen, who is also a, a person who works at John Arden Textiles. So she was wearing a cardigan of her own design and I was admiring it all day long. So I quickly purchased the yarn and purchased the pattern from her to be able to make, it's called the Duchess cardigan. But they had other things at the middle of the weekend that I couldn't say no to, like a hot pink lace weight yarn. I just, I couldn't pass it up. I really quite like uh, like raspberry pink. I used to wear that a lot when I was younger, like a lot. Um, and this one has got little bits of yellow and blue going through it. So it's quite, again, it's quite an unusual um, pinky colour. It's lace weight, which, you know, <sighs> And I'm knitting with it, which is slightly regretful, but I really want a summer top in this and I've actually started it. And I don't know why, but I thought, oh, I'll have it done for next weekend. I mean, just no, I think this all the time. I just think I'm like superwoman and I'm not. I've barely done the ribbing and I haven't even got through one entire lace repeat yet, but I love the colour. And the top that I'm making with it is um, Helena, who is now mill owner of John Arbin. Um, she's done a little lacy tee, which is called the Achillea tee. Um, she's done it as a two colour version, and I want to just do it as one in the hot pink. I like stripes, but they don't, big broad stripes don't look that great on me. And I think like a one colour hot pink version will just look fabulous. So. I need to crack on with this because it's the middle, virtual mill open weekend, not this weekend, but the weekend after. And I really wanted to have this done for that. There's just no chance unless I want to wear it as like a bralette. Um, but I'm enjoying working with the lace weight and I'm really enjoying the colour. So I'm sure some of you are looking at this going, Faye, you're knitting with the lace weight in hot pink. Who are you? <laughs> And the other thing that I got from the Mill Open Weekend, they always have like little battles of um, strands of yarn uh, skeined up, like little tiny mini skeins and all sorts of colours. And I've got a few of these already and I just got a few more in all the colours, like every colour going. I tried to get some that were matching in blues and greens and greys and there's some bright and it's it could be made up of any of their different yarns um, blended and like I say they're all um, singles so it's just one strand of yarn but I got so many of them because I thought they might be really helpful for visible mending projects um, or a marl or a blanket or something but I quite like the idea of using them for visible mending because they're just like really affordable and it's like more wool in the house which why wouldn't you? 
So I got a load of them. I have like a little brown paper bag of them that I bought as well. And then the final thing that I wanted to show you was I got myself some little Rico balls of cotton. So I got some of the um, Rico Rumi, which are the ones that they really push for amigurumi because they come in little baby balls. And the balls are... How many grams are you? It's DK cotton. Do, do, do. Less than 25 grams. So just under 60 metres. And I got very kind of harvest festival colours. So orange, yellow, greens and some browns. And I got a bigger ball of a brighter yellow. Again, um, it's Rico, but it's their organic cotton. Um, and that's an add weight. And these are all going to become flowers and vegetables that I want to make and I want to pin up on the fence of my allotment. I've got, um, my quarter allotment is from where we open the gate, I'm on the right hand side and I don't have flowers up on, along the fence line yet. And we've got loads and loads of children that come down to the allotment. Um, lots of parents that like, have their tea and then they come down to look after the allotment, harvest different bits and pieces and water it. And so the whole family comes down and I thought it, like kids might enjoy seeing uh, flowers, like the adults might enjoy it too. But I thought it'd be really nice until all of my allotment is like grown up the way that I want it to be. I thought I would have some nice crocheted sunflowers and bits and pieces up against the fence and just to give it like a little bit of my personality and to um, make it my own basically. People have got like little garden signs. Some people's allotments are immaculate, like not a weed, nothing out of place. Other people's are weedy, weedy messes and mine is somewhere in between. <laughs> Um, so I very much want to just put my own little stamp on it with some, I might even make some um, like vegetables, like some sweet corn and stuff and just tie it all to the fence and just make it a bit bright and colourful and, you know, anywhere that I can get crocheting, I'll get crocheting. <laughs> um, I can't remember how much they were. This is kind of standard stuff that you'll find in yarn shops. Rico is... Uh, well loved and well used by lots of people. I think these might have only been like a pound each or something. They, they were not a lot of money. And it allowed me to get all the different colours that I wanted for my little allotment harvest festival um, instalment that I'm going to put in there. That just leaves me with quick news beats. Um, on the 9th and 10th of July it is the John Arbon Textiles Mill Open Weekend. They've got a load of um, events going on that are free of charge to sign up for. I think there's an opening party with Melanie Berg. Um, there is a spinning workshop on the Sunday afternoon. There's a visible mending workshop. I think that's on the Sunday morning. Um, oh, there's all sorts. Caddy Helen is doing something. And I'm doing a talk at two o'clock on Sunday the 10th and um, it's on crocheting beyond the granny square. I'm not dissing granny squares, it's not what I'm saying, I just want to show people the other options are out there for crochet because I think all too often 
the non-crocheters or the people that only do a little bit of crochet just think of granny stitching granny squares when they think of crochet and I want to I want to show the John Arbon Textiles um, customers a different take on crochet basically. So, so if you fancy joining me for that I'll be talking through a little bit of the um, history of crochet looking at some of the contemporary resources that are available for you um, so I'll be pushing things like Moody. It's a lot of what you will have already heard before but you might want to come and just spend an hour with me anyway. Um, and I'm also going to be going through some of the kind of urban myth stuff around crochet, like about um, how much yarn it uses and how to work out whether you're likely to get colour pulling with a variegated yarn or not. So all of, all of those good things. I'll be on for about an hour. I think I'm also going to do the visible mending workshop and I think I'm also going to be at the launch party. So if you're in, I'll be dipping in and out of the uh, mill weekend or weekend. It's free of charge. All of the sessions are free. You just need to go to the John Arbin website and um, sign up for the events. I'll pop a link into the show notes for you. Like, it'd be lovely to see some of you there. And um, yeah really nice to see you. Global hookups this month, uh, and apologies for last month, I made the right call. I cancelled them or postponed them because I was unwell and I, I said on Instagram, I'm not particularly good at self-care, I'm not great at looking after myself and tend to just do too much and it was absolutely the right call to um, postpone the global hookups because I was, you know, like every day I was having to go to bed midday for like two to three hours just to catch up on um, sleep and I just I just couldn't function so it was the right decision. But this month's global hookups are on the 9th and the 10th so it's quite a full on online weekend for that weekend. 8pm um, on the 9th and 9am on the 10th of July so hopefully I'll see um, some of you there and um, the final thing that I need to tell you is that I am on pod holiday during August so the next time that you're going to see me is on the 2nd of September that's when the podcast will be back and when I come back with that one um, we've got I've got a little announcement to make with Claudia because we are working on something behind the scenes and we will be talking about it at the beginning of September and what we're up to. So until um, September, if you are Northern Hemisphere, have an amazing summer. If you're Southern Hemisphere, enjoy your uh, winter <laughs> and wearing all your woolies. Um, and I will see you in September and I'm off now to go and take this fairy wheel jumper off and go and like possibly run around naked in the garden to cool off <laughs> right I'll see you in September see you soon